Hey, good morning, Life Church. Short little interlude. Everybody's like, okay, he's back. Hey, thank you so much for coming to worship with us. Hey, if uh, you're, uh, you have small children today, kindergarten through fifth grade, we're, we're going to try something a little bit different. If you've registered your child or would like them to participate in the activity and the lesson that's taking place outside, we would love for you to do that. Your kids can stand up right now. They can go with Jay and the team. Safe distancing will be recognized. They're all wearing their masks. Jay is the good-looking guy swinging his arms around. So kindergarten through fifth grade, you want to go with them. They're going to have a great time. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to just trying to find ways and means to uh, encourage people to be the church in this interesting season. Are you with me this morning? Hey, also, as they're making their way out of the sanctuary, just want to remind student ministry, uh, high school and middle school students, uh, real life started last week. Uh, summer nights, they meet. You may have seen it set up. They did an incredible job. Safe distancing was recognized and masks were available. And they just had a great time worshiping presence of God, the word of God. So if uh, your comfort level uh, allows for that, we would love for you to come out 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Wednesday evenings. Uh, if you're not able to be with us, uh, we will have that streaming. Also, weather permitting, of course, they will communicate that 6 o'clock uh, Wednesday evening because uh, you know those summer storms, they come up in a hot minute. So we're going to wait to the last minute to tell you. But Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, pastors Danny and Holly and their team are doing a great job. All right, we are continuing our series, Reset. Say Reset. I pray that somebody was sitting on their couch and just said, reset, all by themselves. Reset, a divine approach to our earthy affairs. Divine approach to our earthy affairs. I, I want to uh, begin this morning by apologizing. I want to apologize for uh, last week's message. As I personally, maybe you did not, but I personally found it to be a bit much. Anybody with me this morning? Don't raise your hands. At all. I'm looking down. I don't want to even know. But I have found, if you're anything like me, maybe you can relate, I have found I am easily overwhelmed in this season. It's not just in the morning when I wake up. It's not just when I get home from work. It's all the time. I, I feel like I'm at my capacity. I'm, I'm kind of there. Uh, oftentimes, I feel it most when I wake up in the morning, the first thing my bleary-eyed children ask me is, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? How about breakfast? How about you brush your teeth and then we'll talk about dinner? Anybody with me? Or you get home from work and they're like, hey, can we go do this? Hey, can we go do that? Because I've already, like, I'm just waking up and things are happening I'm not ready for. The fact of the matter is uh, we're all a little bit tired, a bit groggy. We're shell-shocked for any number of valid reasons. Here at the church, uh, we're working incredibly hard. We're having conversations. We're praying through and working through everything to be as fully present uh, in this new world order uh, as I call it, as much as we can be. We've made practical changes. We've got uh, seats in the sanctuary to uh, allow for more space. We've got sanitizer around every corner. We've got masks available. We're streaming online. The kids are out in the parking lot playing in traffic. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. They're just out playing. They're away from it. It's coned off. They're safe. Things we shouldn't joke about. We've made lots of practical changes but there's also emotional capacities that we're trying to serve and come alongside, recognizing we may not, hello somebody, we may not be up for what we used to be up for. And the reality is that's what resetting is all about. Being able to bridge the gap from an old world to a new world. Divine approach to our earthy affairs. Of course, 
This is not something, as much as we make t-shirts and memes and we want to poke fun at 2020, reset is not something that is uniquely specific to 2020. As much as we want to act like 2020 is this thing, the reality is this is what God does. This is who God is. As the nation of Israel is coming out of bondage and into God's promised land, into what he has, the purposes that God has for them, you would think there'd just be a smooth movement to that place. But do you know that there are habits, there are patterns, there are ways of thinking, there are things and and types of living that they had to do away with. And so God implements the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments were not rules to just tell them what to do. They were to teach them to stop living in bondage. To show one another that you are not just commodities, but you are meant to be in community. You're not just to be around one another, but you're to learn to be for one another. We see this in the person of Jesus, just consistently offering new ways of thinking, new ways of living, new ways of imagining, of accepting, of loving, of extending mercy and extending grace. In this Reset series, let me be very clear. I am not preaching with a worldwide pandemic or the conversation of systemic racism or any type of unhealth at the center. I am preaching Jesus at the center of a really difficult conversation, of a circumstance our world has never seen before. And so let's get to our passage this morning. Are you with me? Romans chapter 8, verses 18. We're going to go through all of this passage of Scripture, but we're just going to read these few uh, excerpts. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing. And the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Skip down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things, say all things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence Wherever we find ourselves, we thank you for the available presence that Jesus Christ, when you died on the cross for us, the veil was torn from heaven to earth. And Father, the presence was made available. You do not bully yourself into our lives and our circumstances, but Lord, the curtain has been torn in two and it is available to us. Increase our awareness, not just on a Sunday morning, but Jesus on a Wednesday night, on a Thursday afternoon, on a Saturday evening. God, every form and facet that we find ourselves in, we pray for your spirit. God, that we would just right now choose to turn up the volume of your voice and be attuned to everything that you have to say. Now we give you these moments, just we ask that you mold us, shape us, make us more into your image. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said... Amen and amen. We can, say I can. 
there were six of you. Say, we can. We can engage everything that encounters us with God at the center, not just ourselves. We can lean into difficult conversations. We can navigate life in a worldwide pandemic. We can work through marital issues. We can parent, hello somebody, with God at the center of our lives rather than ourselves. When we, with ourselves at the center, tend to navigate life, I will guarantee you comfort is nearby. When we are at the center of our circumstance, comfort is always reachable. When God is at the center, creativity is at hand. Now, I know that creativity is a bit of a buzzword and everybody likes to talk about being creative and imaginative and technology and all of these types of things. Let me tell you what creativity looks like to God. It looks like change. It looks like being healed. It looks like growing. It looks like maturity. It looks like thinking differently than you used to think. It looks like being able to imagine and dream about things that you never thought were possible or rather being able to walk into something that you could have never thought up by yourself. When God is at the center, listen to me, and this might be a bit of a barometer for some of us in this room because you feel like, no, everything I do is just to make sure I'm okay. Everything that I lean into is to make sure that I'm comfortable. And you would not say that because even as you would say that, you'd be like, that's a little bit selfish, but that's just where we are. And that's completely fine. When God is at the center, creativity is right there which means we will think differently, which means we will talk differently, which means we will lean in differently, we will love differently, we will give mercy differently. Are you with me this morning? So I want to revisit points. We talked last week about how uh, verses 19 through 21 of chapter 8 in Romans, that there were players, there were points, and there were poles and atmospheres. And again, I apologize, I tried to do too much, but we're all learning together. So I want to revisit points points, verses 19 through 21, chapter 8 of Romans. And I want to remind us that points are not, as we follow Jesus, they're not meant to be starting points and stopping points. Jesus does not say, arrive at me. And yes, that's exactly what Jesus sounds like in my head. He doesn't say, come, arise, and arrive here. He says, hey, come and follow me. And you know what the crazy thing is about Jesus? That joker keeps moving. He says, follow me, because I get to a spot, I'm like, hallelujah, I'm here. Oh, he's okay. Hallelujah, I have arrived. Hey. But Jesus says, no, keep coming. Good, that's great, you made that. No, good, good, keep coming. Are you with me? I remember what it was like to have two young kids. My wife and I were sitting at the table, and we'd be like, Lord, when will they be able to feed themselves? Jesus, make it happen. Now we sit at the table, we're like, Lord, Lord, there are other things. I'm not going to get into it, but there are other things, right? When they're young, when they're teenagers, and there's going to be other things. I know when we get into other areas and spaces of life. Points are places and spaces of initiation. They are aims. This whole mentality, to be perfectly honest, of starts and stops, it doesn't really serve us. If you see life as a series of starts and stops, like you arrive at a place, the reality is that we quickly devolve to 
needing to graduate, matriculate, learn, and, and, and do these types of things. And what happens is we begin to freight our lives with levels. Levels, like we assume they'll never come around again. Like we pass that level, never have to deal with it again. I play Super Mario with Zoe. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine to admit that my six-year-old is better than me at Super Mario. It's fine. I pay the bills. And I'm okay with that differentiation. But she's better at Super Mario. And you, you go through these levels and you go through these stages. And sometimes Zoe's like, Daddy, uh, we need to go back to an earlier level so you can train. Real words out of my six-year-old's mouth. Daddy, we need to go back to the first stage because you need to train. <laughs> For those of you who aren't here, Gloria just said wisdom. Christoph needs to go train. <laughs> Here's the thing. God doesn't work like that because we don't work like that. We don't work through levels and then never have to go back to that. Do I have any married people in the room today? You don't have a conversation once and never have to go back to that again. If that's your expectation, that might be why you are so angry. That might be why there isn't very much joy in your marriage. You might have to say something more than once. You might have to, Lord Jesus, listen to something be said more than once. We have a journey. We have a passage. We have a progression. If you look at verses 19 through 21 as we did last week, we talked about these points, these initiations and the aims. We have this progression from revealing is the first to freedom of the glory is the last. But intermingled therein are mentions of subjection to futility, bondage to corruption, and then there's a setting free, and then there's an obtaining. Let me sink a thought into your soul this morning. All of this is directional. It's not deliverable. When we engage life and relationships through Jesus, it is in the process of direction, not being delivered. I know, I know, I'm here too. I know we all live in an Amazon world. You know, the place where you, uh, you make an order and if it's not there in just a mere matter of hours, you have every right to complain and gripe and yell. Are you with me today? But let me suggest that the human soul is a little more complicated than that Bluetooth speaker that you want. And though Jesus is, listen to me, Jesus is our rescuer, the original language communicates. Jesus is our deliverer. Jesus is our healer. But when we really lean into the offered reset, our redemptive work that God makes available to us, I do not find it as a deliverable. It's not a thing that comes gift-wrapped to the doorstep of my life where all I need to do is reach out and take it. If that's frustrating news today to you, I apologize that people have lied to you. Engage in life with Jesus is directional. It is not deliverable. God offers us something that is directional. I mean, you consider Jesus' obvious ministry as a whole, born out of well-worn passages like John chapter 14 and verse 6, where he declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he does so in the context of also, if you knew my father, you would know me. And if you knew me, you would know my father. This is not an understanding or information 
or even inspiration. That word know is the original language gnosko, which means to do life with, to be so intertwined and engaged you can't tell one from the other. It would have been the word that they would have used to talk about how a husband knows a wife. The most intimate, interlocking intimacy. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or John chapter 10, when Jesus declares that he has come to give us life and life more abundantly. We love that passage, but we forget the fact that he talks about how he declares to be the doorway. He talks about his voice. And that the sheep know the doorway because they know his voice. We love to focus on life, life more abundantly. Again, that Amazon world dynamic. I want the life. I'm ordering the life, Jesus. My doorstep is empty again. Because it's not deliverable. Church, it's directional. And here's the thing. God is not pushy. He is not a bully. He just says, I'll open doors that no man can close. I'll close doors that no man can open. And we sit idly by, frustrated by the fact that we're waiting for everything just to be delivered. Just come, come to me. I am the center of the universe because comfort is utmost importance. And then we get passages like this where Paul uses language and, and we have a weak translation to set free ideas of things just happening or obtaining. Something just comes to us. When again, we looked at last week that original language means to be put into a direction. Much like we are put in the direction when we're playing pin the tail on the donkey. And understand me today, God does not spin us around. Our world spins us around. Pandemics, racism, hatred, meanness, culture, all these things spin us around. But it's Jesus, his spirit says, no, you want to go this way. And then we got to, okay, whoa, the world's a little bit dicey here. And Jesus is like, this way, this way, follow my voice, hear me. Because Jesus is not deliverable, he's directional. It comes as no surprise and probably needs no argument that you don't need to be convinced to agree with Paul's statement that we, creation, are, as he says, arranged in weakness and enslaved to decay. That's the original language of subjection to futility, bondage to corruption. That we are arranged in weakness, we are enslaved to decay. What does that mean? All humanity, anything in creation, when left purely to itself, trends to disintegration. Everything, you leave it, anything, just think about it, anything, you leave anything by itself, it trends to disintegration. In a few weeks, my family and I are going to go on vacation. We're going to go down to the Outer Banks, and we're just going to be away. And we will come back to our home seven days later, and I guarantee you, it will not be cleaned. In fact, even when you lock it up tight, you shut down all the toilets, because I assume if I don't, they will all flood while we're gone. Because that's just where I live, in my head. But when I come home, you open the door, like, and it smells old. Are you with me? It smells musty. It smells like nobody's been, it smells a little bit, meh. Because everything, when left of its own devices, trends to disintegration. How's your yard been looking lately? Been working in it? Great, probably looks awesome. Have you not been working in it? If you've not been working to tame that thing, it's gone a whole nother way. Are you with me? It takes work to keep this body 
looking like this. Can I get an amen from the church? And here's the most frustrating thing, and this I lean into this every time I think about lifting a weight other than lifting a cookie or going for a run or whatever it might be. It takes work. And here's the frustrating thing. When I don't work this thing for more than two or three days and then I go run like I had been running, my body's like, fool, what you thinking? Are you with me? It goes away. I could work for six months, look as good as I do. Again, can I get an amen from the church? No, they just laughed. If you're not here with us, they're laughing at me. But if I don't work it, it just goes away. And sometimes I'll be honest with you. I'm like, what's the point? Everything trends in that mode of disintegration. According to the scriptures... For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, pain and suffering, are suggested to have a revealing quality. Revealing. Uh, revealing in the apocalyptic sense. If you're anything like me, and again we talked about apocalypsis last week and what it means in the actual language. But if you're anything like me, when you hear the word apocalypse, you think of the end times. But this revealing that Paul speaks to uh, apocalypsis means disclosing, laying bare, open, naked, as it truly, really is. And I was reading this book, which I would highly recommend to anybody. The Liturgy of the Ordinary, Sacred Practices in Everyday Life. And she describes this scenario that we can all so beautifully relate to, this scenario when she loses her keys. How do we all feel when we lose our keys? Are you I mean, come on. Let's be honest this morning. We're in church. She says this. She says, I lost my keys, and with them goes all sense of perspective. I go through the stages of searching for lost objects. And she goes through these stages, and maybe you can relate. I'm sure all of you can relate, whether it's keys or children, something that you've lost. First, there's stage one, logic. I retrace my steps. I look in places where I should have gone. Hopefully, they'll turn up. Stage two, self-condemnation. As I make my way through each room, scanning shelves and surfaces, I begin to self-flagellate under my breath. I am such an idiot. Where did I put those keys? Why am I such an idiot? I usually move through that stage pretty quickly, and I land in this stage. Vexation, stage three. I get frustrated. I curse. Each second that passes leaves me slightly angrier. I switch back and forth between blaming myself and blaming others. My kids, they probably played with them and lost them. Did Jonathan, her husband, take them? I text him. No help there. God must know where my keys are. Why isn't he helping here? I'm having a mild theological crisis over a two-inch piece of metal. <laughs> Stage four, desperation. I start looking in places they have no business being. I check the time. It's been nine minutes. Nine minutes. But when you lose your keys, are you with me? It's an eternity. Stage five, last ditch. I stop and I pray. Okay, I breathe. I tell myself that I'm being ridiculous, kind of try and come down. And then she remembers a Catholic friend who said, St. Anthony knows where all lost things are. So she begins praying to St. Anthony. At stage six, despair. I give up and plop on the couch. And she says, I look outside my window, my locked car, there by the trees and the hopping sparrows, but I don't even notice them. Everything is worthless. The morning is ruined, stupid keys, stupid me, stupid planet, stupid universe. Seven minutes later, I find my keys under the couch. And here's the point. My lost keys ended up being a hiccup in the day. No big deal. A tiny, forgettable 15 minutes. But it was also the apocalypse. Apocalypse literally means an unveiling or uncovering. 
In my anger, grumbling, self-berating, cursing, doubt, and despair, I glimpsed for a few minutes how tightly I cling to control and how little control I actually have. And in the absence of control, feeling stuck and stressed, those parts of me that I preferred to keep hidden were momentarily unveiled. The amazing things about Jesus, again, he's offering, he's delivering us opportunities, not the deliverables, but an offered direction. So here's the thing. We all have a natural way, a direction that the Bible describes as arranged in weakness and enslaved to decay. If left to our own devices, that is the track that we take. But the gospel of Jesus declares an alternative direction. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 20 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter, again, passage, transition, movement, the holy places by the blood of Jesus, verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near, again, process, movement. He gives us not the way of decay and breaking down, but a new and living way where suffering and pain, listen to me, suffering and pain is not absent in that way, but acts as a revealer to show us what we normally keep concealed. And let me tell you today, if it's concealed, listen to me, if you are concealing things, whether you realize it or not, but if there is concealing happening in your life, just because others can't see it does not mean you are not affected by it. To be clear, to be absolutely clear, Neither systemic racism, the abuse of power, hard conversations around that, nor a worldwide pandemic, even remotely, can be attributed to God's character or God's influence. They cannot. God is the giver of good gifts, the Bible declares. He is the lover of our souls. There is no way that God is the initiator of a pandemic or anything of that kind. It's as if I would look outside and see a 10-foot backboard broken and hanging to the side and think, my six-year-old Zoe did that. She's incapable of it. I know who did that. Asa did, the 6'2 kid who can crush a basketball. And we assign so many things to God when he has nothing to do with it, but he can use all of it. God did not initiate our present circumstance, but what is he using it to reveal in us, church? I'm gonna read the benediction and then Pastor Danny is just gonna sing a song if you'd like to enter in. Otherwise, just take some space on our Holy Spirit to speak. But the benediction, may this present pain and suffering serve to revelate us towards God and his ways. May we embrace, not ignore. May we hold on to hope rather than giving up. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. This is the start. Something amazing 
Something that's far beyond what we have seen Let us start the ascension Let's begin the climb up this holy mountain Where your glory shines Further up, further in Just to be with you again Let us start Fixing our eyes on glory and fire. Your name is branded on our hearts. You are the source of all we desire. Nothing can hold us back. We're running to where you suggestion we are in a bit of a long drawn out lost key moment I believe all of us can relate to seven minutes here nine minutes there church it's been a hot minute it's been weeks it's been months when you talk about racism it's been a couple of centuries a few centuries it's been a long while and maybe for you it's not that conversation but maybe it's another conversation maybe it's the marriage of nine years or 15 years or six weeks, wherever you find yourself, but you're in a lost key moment. And I do believe our society, our culture today is in a lost key moment, but Jesus does not shrink back from lost key moments. He is not the initiator of, initiator of pain, but he will use it to reveal what is in us. A few opportunities this morning, and perhaps this has given you a lot to think about, and I'm glad. I pray it causes you to become more aware of and more trusting of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and this has rifled through some really painful hurts and disappointments. I'm so sorry, but I can offer you, I can offer you God's presence in that with you to reveal, not just to point fingers, but to bring life and growth and change, creativity. There may be others of you who know right now you need to make a change. This Jesus that I've been talking about, you know kind of, sort of, but you've never really let him in. You've never really chosen to actively engage and follow him. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. If you're here and you know you need to follow Jesus, you want to follow Jesus, maybe it's for the first time, maybe it's to re-engage because you've gone your own way like all of us have, but you're here today and you know 
I need to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. If you'd be so bold, just to lift up your hand, we'd love to pray with you this morning. Do you have anybody who'd love to make that commitment to follow Jesus in this place? If you're at home and you're virtually streaming and you want to engage with Jesus, please do that. Text that phone number. Uh, email us at info at lifechurchvirginia.com so we can come alongside you and, and support you because it is, it, it's not just a, a prayer that finishes everything. The prayer, the prayer is the starting point. And we want to come alongside you for all that God has. Let's just all pray that simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Just pray with me, church. Jesus, I give you my life. Father, we love your imaginative spirit. We love the creativity of our God who takes confusion, hovers over it, and makes beauty, who takes ashes and brings us to dancing, who takes Saul and makes the Apostle Paul, who takes a 17-year-old kid named Christoph and does a great work. Father, and is continuing to do, God, I need a lot of work. Hello, somebody. We thank you so much that you can do everything with so little. And in this season, in this moment of our lives, Father, we lean into a divine approach to our earthly affairs. God, bring the reset, the pain, the suffering that we are in. Lord, let it uncrack and let it begin to do all that you want it to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Hey, if you are here today, you'd love some prayer. I'd love to pray with you immediately following the gathering. I will be wearing my mask because I will be wearing my mask. If you are not, that's fine. But I'd love to pray with you. And please, if your kids left and they are playing, having a great time, take them with you. All right. Let's read uh, the benediction together. Are you ready, church? May this present pain and suffering serve to revelate us towards God and his ways. May we embrace, not ignore. May we hold on to hope rather than giving up. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. Love you so much. We'll see you next week.